I invite you to take out your Bibles with me as we turn together for a few minutes uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look tonight at uh, verses 6 through 15 of this uh, great chapter written by the Apostle Paul, of course, inspired by the, the Holy Spirit given to us uh, tonight to, to uh, think about and to reflect upon. Uh, so 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning at verse 6. Let's hear now the word of the Lord. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you, because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but not the Word of God. It will endure forever. Let's ask God's blessing. Our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are thankful tonight for many things, and we are thankful for the Word of Christ. And I ask tonight that it would dwell richly within us, that you would make us a generous people. As we look to our generous God in the gospel, and so Holy Spirit help us now as we take some time to hear what you would have us to, to see tonight. May we see Jesus and may our hearts be filled uh, with thankfulness. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, I have been, uh, over the last several years, uh, impressed with the uh, OPC's thank offering. Uh, I received the New Horizons magazine and would get it, uh, and sometime in the summer or fall, it would announce uh, the thank offering again for another another November, another Thanksgiving, and it would announce uh, the goal that uh, the OPC has for uh, raising funds for home missions and for foreign missions and for the arm of Christian education. And uh, we just took an offering for that tonight, a thank offering for the advancement of uh, the, the gospel, the kingdom. 
And uh, the Apostle Paul here in 2 Corinthians is really uh, participating in a thank offering. A thank offering. He's been raising support. He's been raising funds, not for himself, uh, but to bring uh, to the Jerusalem saints who are extremely poor. And so he's been traveling around ministering the gospel, but also collecting these funds to take to uh, Jerusalem. He says in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians that the Corinthians, as you might remember, were extremely gifted in a variety of different ways. But Paul says to them that he wants them to also excel in the, the gift of generosity. He wants them to excel at it. And he gives them an example of a church that excels in giving, that excels in a generous spirit. And that church is, uh, the church is in Macedonia, chapter 8. Uh, if you have your Bible open, look with me at verses 2, 3, and 4 of chapter 8. Paul says, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. So here was this, this group of Christians who uh, experienced themselves extreme poverty, but because of the abundance of their joy in Christ, this this overflowed in a wealth of generosity. And, and the Apostle Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, the church that is filled with gifts, he's saying, learn a lesson from Macedonia. Excel in giving. He's about to send uh, so, some, some guys to go to Corinth to then receive the gift so that Paul can hand deliver it. But instead of then launching into chapter 10 and going on with his letter, he then spends 10 verses, our passage, where he unpacks the heart of generosity. Paul knew, I think we understand to some degree, that generosity is so much deeper than just writing a check and putting it in the plate. Here, Paul gets at the motive behind a generous heart. And when we think of generosity, certainly the context here uh, refers to giving these financial resources and gifts, but we could certainly expand the principle to other areas in our lives. We are called to show forth our thankfulness, our gratitude in being generous stewards of God's resources in the service of others. So tonight, I want to just look with you at two uh, main headings, uh, the giving that God loves and then the grace that God gives. The giving that God loves and the grace that this giving God then gives to us. And so first, the giving that God loves. What sort of giving does God love to get? Verse 7. Each one, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, Paul says to Corinth. God says to you, not under 
compulsion, not under compulsion. That is, not under raw obligation. There's a couple of ways that we can give under compulsion. We can give in order to avoid punishment. We can give motivated by fear, by guilt. Or we can give under compulsion in order to impress others. We give to certain causes, we give in certain ways in order for others to see us, in order for others to be impressed with our level of giving. But our God, who is Himself eternally generous, wants us to want to give. God wants us to want to serve, to want to bless, not merely out of obligation, but Freely, freely out of love for him, out of love for neighbor. This is what compelled the Macedonians. The love of God compels us, Paul says elsewhere, that we should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who for our sakes died and was raised. We give freely out of love for God, out of the abundance of joy the Macedonians gave of their own accord. Husbands, suppose it is your anniversary, and uh, a good husband you are, you buy a bouquet of flowers, and you take your, your flowers, and you bring it home, and you uh, go to your wife, and you, you honor her by saying the following, it's our anniversary, honey, and she's excited because you actually remembered the anniversary, and you went to buy flowers, and and when you present her the flowers, you say to her, it is our anniversary and I bought these flowers because it is my duty to do so. It is, sweetheart, my obligation on this day, once a year, to buy you flowers. Does that exalt the wife? Let's say you go home with flowers and you say to your wife, it is our anniversary and it is my, my highest Joy, it is my, my delight to give you these flowers to show a small token of what you mean to me because there is nothing I love more than seeing you happy. That exalts the wife. You see, God desires when we give, He desires that we don't just give out of raw duty. Raw obligation, there, there is a, a place in the Christian life for duty, to be sure. But it exalts God when we give because we freely give. We give out of love for Him. We give out of the storehouse of what He has first given to us. The giving God loves is giving that is free. It is also giving that is cheerful, not reluctant. Cheerful, not reluctant. Again, verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, for God, and I think this is really the core of this whole passage, for God loves a cheerful giver. He wants us to give cheerfully, not reluctantly. To give reluctantly literally means to give from grief, out of grief. It means to give begrudgingly. God loves, he loves, he takes pleasure 
in giving that is done with cheer. The flip side, of course, is that he takes no pleasure in begrudging giving, in begrudging service. John Piper speaks of this in a very practical way. In church, when the the collection plate goes around. Now, we've just done that. We missed an opportunity here, a teachable moment. Um, He says, what happens when the collection plate goes around and you know what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, that God loves a cheerful giver and you aren't cheerful? What do you do? Well, most of us would intuitively say, well, you give anyways, because that's what you're called to do. And Piper says, no, first you need to repent. You need to repent that you don't have that delight, that you don't have that desire to give, that you are begrudging in your your attitude toward giving. Well, what happens if the plate still comes by and you're still not feeling very, very cheerful? Piper would say, well, after you repent and ask God to change your heart, you give. And then after you give, if you're still not feeling very cheerful, you ask him to again forgive you and to give you that joy in the act of giving and even afterwards. In other words, the Christian life is much deeper uh, than we often make it out to be. We tend to think we're being faithful when we simply put uh, some money in the plate. But this clearly shows us uh, that there's more to it, that God loves a certain type of giver, a certain type of generosity, one that is filled with joy, one that is filled with delight. And so he wants us to give freely, not dutifully. He wants us to give cheerfully, not reluctantly. Uh, He also then wants us to give bountifully, not sparingly. Verse 6, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. To sow bountifully is to sow generously. The picture here is one of a farmer sowing seed with with liberality. The more seed he sows, the better the harvest he reaps. Now, brothers and sisters, this this isn't about the amount that we give. It's about the sacrifice, I think. It's not talking here about the amount we give. It's talking about the sacrifice we make in our giving. The Macedonians, again, in their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, have overflowed in a wealth of generosity, for they gave, Paul says, according to their means and beyond their means. Beyond their means. Let me ask you something. What area in your life are you sowing sparingly instead of bountifully? What areas in my life am I sowing sparingly instead of bountifully? Listen to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Peter says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus 
Christ. So there is to be a manner in which we give of our, of our lives, give of our talents, give of our time and our treasures. God loves, God is pleased with a cheerful giver. Now in one sense tonight, this stings, doesn't it? Because you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't give like that. I didn't give like that tonight. And, and so oftentimes I give merely out of compulsion or the wrong motives or under mere obligation and duty. And, and I don't have my heart right before the Lord when I give or when I serve. I'm a selfish person. But what I want you to see in the remainder of this passage is the overwhelming grace of God that He lavishes upon us when we come in humility. God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. So notice, secondly, the grace that God gives to us in Christ He gives, first of all, abounding grace. Verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. This This is sufficient grace. This is excessive grace and plenteous grace. Now, many of you are are here tonight and you have been expending yourselves for others to the point of exhaustion. And maybe this very night you're here and you've got nothing left to give. You feel like you're completely at the end of your rope. You have no more energy left to give to your child, to give to your, 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 your sick parent, to give to this relationship. But God reminds us tonight with this precious and profound promise that he is able to make all grace abound to us. When I said we never give generously without discovering afresh God's ability to supply our personal needs. Perhaps if we've never experienced this, perhaps it's because we rarely give until it hurts. We rarely give sacrificially. We don't know what it means to really expend ourselves, to give ourselves to the point where our only option is to look to God and His grace and in His power. But His grace abounds. It comes always in just the right proportions at just the right time. And we heard the testimonies tonight of many of you And how God has met you where you are. And he has given you sufficient and overflowing grace. Notice it's also equipping grace. The grace that God offers us in Jesus Christ. Verse 8b, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Notice that. Not some of the time, not most of the time. At all times you may abound in every good work. Namely, the, the, the work of giving in this context. Again in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Listen, when God calls us to give to His work, He will equip us with the grace to do it. When God calls us to something, He will equip us with the grace to do it. 
equipping grace to do it, to see it through. This is what we hear again in chapter 8, verse 1 of this of this great generosity that we see. Verse 1 says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So their giving, their generosity, was because of God's abundant and equipping grace that He lavished upon them. And God will give you grace. God also calls us to give from what we have, not what we don't have. He calls us to to be good stewards of the resources that He's given to us, to give sacrificially. He calls us to steward the gifts that God has given to you personally, not the gifts of others. He hasn't called you to steward others' gifts. He's called you to steward your gifts, and He will equip you with the grace to do it. Notice also that this grace of which Paul speaks here is multiplying grace. Look with me at verse 10. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will, Paul says, supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. There will be a multiplication when the church in Corinth gives to the the offering for the Jerusalem church. Notice with me, Who benefits when the Corinthians are generous? Who is the beneficiary of their generosity? Well, verse 12 makes clear uh, the saints in Jerusalem clearly benefit from their generosity. But notice also, verse 12b, but is also, Paul writes, overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. This is the goal of generosity. This is the goal of our gratitude. That our gifts and our service and our sacrifices will eventually lead others to thank God. And this is what God loves. God loves to be glorified by being thanked. He is exalted when men and women and boys and girls pause to thank Him. And this is what happens when the church in Corinth is generous with their gifts. There's a multiplication that occurs. Not only are the saints in Jerusalem blessed and encouraged and built up, but God is praised. God is thanked. Verse 13, he says something very similar. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Notice who else is is blessed in the giving by the Corinthian church. The Corinthians themselves are, are blessed and are strengthened. Verse 14, while they, the Jerusalem church, longs for you at Corinth, and they, notice, pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. So these Corinthians will be prayed for. They will have this partnership now with the Jerusalem believers in the gospel. No wonder Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. When the Corinthians give generously like the Macedonians did, when you and I give generously to the work of God's kingdom, 
Blessings come upon our head. We are, we are investing in eternal things. What a wise investment. Even though often we don't see the returns the way we think we should here below. Who knows when we're sowing and scattering seed of blessing to others what God will do. And so the Corinthians themselves are strengthened and encouraged. And then notice the whole church is built up There is mutual gratitude between these bodies, between these peoples. There is a gospel partnership. The fact that the Corinthians would give a gift like this sacrificially shows the influence of the gospel within their hearts, doesn't it? Think of this. Someone said, it is a moral miracle that Macedonians and Corinthians should be exhibiting such self-sacrifice for Jews. Think about that. We just took up a thank offering for our own denomination, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, and this is a wonderful offering. But what Paul was asking Corinth to do was essentially to take up a thank offering sacrificially for a different denomination. For a church down the road that they might be blessed, that they might be encouraged, that they might be ministered to. It's easy to give to our own causes. But here, what we see, the miracle of what we see, true generosity, is where these believers in Macedonia and now in Corinth were going to give sacrificially these Gentiles to their Jewish brothers in Jerusalem. See, that's radical generosity. That's radical gratitude. So Paul here shows us the kind of giver that God loves, is pleased with, that is. But then he in a multitude of ways, so shows us the grace that is offered to us, for we are weak and self-centered and not very generous so often. This grace is abounding and equipping and multiplying. But then finally notice how he ends this section in verse 15. He says, thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. As he does in chapter 8, verse 9, so he does it here over again. He goes back to the gospel. Words fail the Apostle Paul. He can hardly describe what he's feeling. Inexpressible gift, indescribable gift. The gift, of course, of which Paul speaks and refers to here in verse 15, the capstone of this whole passage, is the gift of of Jesus Christ. And friends, tonight we miss the point if we walk away telling ourselves to try harder. Just be more thankful. No. The way to grow in the grace of generous giving is not by looking within yourself, but by beholding in faith, the inexpressible 
indescribable gift of God in Jesus Christ. Verse 9, chapter 8, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Just think about that. God's Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity, who has existed for all time, though He was rich, yet for whose sake? Your sake. Became poor. Humbled Himself, even to the point of death. Death on a cross. So that you, And me, we're living in spiritual poverty who had nothing at all to give, who had no interest in God, who had forfeited all rights by faith in Jesus Christ. In Him, we who are poor have become rich, abundantly rich. And so tonight as we lift up our voices to our great, generous God, may it be that our abundance of joy, not in our circumstances, not ultimately in our checkbooks, even in the midst of our own afflictions, might overflow in a wealth of generosity Not so that God would accept us, but because in Christ He already has. Through the cross of His beloved Son, that as we sow seeds of generosity with cheer, with bounty, freely, because we have been redeemed and rescued, others might be blessed, will be filled with joy, And many thanksgivings will be produced to God. May God give us grace to be generous givers as we look to our generous, all-sufficient, all-gracious God. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you tonight for the reminder of your generosity and the abundance of your grace How amazing it is, oh God, that Christ who was rich became poor so that we who were poor might become rich in Him. Father, change our hearts. Continue to change our hearts. That we would give because we love Christ and because You have called us, because we we love to give and we love to bless. And so, Father, advance Your kingdom that you might be thanked. Father, we are so weak and sinful, and we do not give the way that we should, but you did. You withheld nothing from us. You gave us the very best,
best you could have given. You gave us your son. And so may we rejoice tonight and rejoice tomorrow and rejoice daily because of who we are in him. We are your children, saved by grace. May we then be a blessing to others. May we be those who are generous. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.